this week on the Afrobeats podcast. I love organic farming. I want everyone possible to get into farming and growing their own food. But if you look at the stats, small organic farms are, I think it's over 50% of them are not profitable. They're actually like operating at a loss. Um, I think over 55% of organic farmers also work a second job because, you know, the farm isn't enough. So like the stats, if we're being realistic, are very, very like the margins are very tight for organic farming, and especially small scale. And when you go small scale, you're probably not using a tractor. So you're doing more labor hours. So like moving a ton of compost is going to take significantly longer with wheelbarrows and two people than it is with like a skid steer or a tractor. So like there's, there's ways that like your time is just going to be eaten up um the work-life balance wasn't there like I mean we worked Monday through Friday on the field and then Saturday we would do farmers markets and then Sundays we'd have volunteer days sometimes so I would, I would work seven days a week like through the summer sometimes so like in Georgia 985 degrees outside humid as hell Today's special guest in the building, we have someone who I consider to be a leader in the soil space. He does it all. You want to talk about microbes, talk about vermicompost, or even a little bit of cannabis. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Jules, aka Smoke Your Greens. What's up, y'all? It's your boy. Watch this. You're listening to the Afrobeats Podcast, garden and table content inspired by culture and soul. I just want to uh, welcome my man, uh, Jules, from uh, Smoke Your Greens. Welcome, man. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, man. It's an honor to be here. And uh, good catch with that. A lot of people think it's Smoky Greens. It's not. Oh. It's Smoke Your Greens, hence the no. cannabis piece. But it's good to be here, man. I'm excited. Absolutely. I, we're, we're all about the puns here on that. <laughs> Look at the details. That's very important with us. But uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I really um, just like your content, man. I feel like this is long overdue because we've known each other from a distance for a little bit on TikTok. Yeah. And I was like, man, this dude is like cut from the same cloth. I wish we lived. <laughs> uh, so having you on was a no brainer. So thanks again for being on uh, the show. Yeah, man. No, the feeling is honestly mutual. When I first saw you on TikTok, I was like, yo, this, like, this is my fucking brother right here. Like, yeah, we yeah. need to be homies. So I'm glad we get this opportunity, man. Absolutely, man. So I like to start off with everybody, if they're new to the podcast, with just like an origin story. Like, what's your superhero origin story? Like, did you fall in a, a vat of waste and you came out with uh, real powers? Or like, how did, <laughs> how did you get in this space, man? Talk to me. What's my suit? Okay, so at least my, my ag origin story is I was working... Um, so I was a sociology undergrad in college. When I graduated, I wanted to do community organizing. And that's what I did for about four years after graduating. Um, and long story short, I was working at a policy research company. Um, we were tracking hate groups in the US. It was very intense work, but I loved it. Um, and out of nowhere, the board was like, hey, we're out of money. You're out of a job in two weeks. And I was like, what? Like, I'm out of a job? Um, so like, just threw me for a loop. And I'd also been considering like finding a new job just because it was very, it was very intense uh, to be tracking these white supremacist groups every day and like reading their newsletters, listening to them on the radio, tracking the social media. Like it was, it was a lot mentally. Um, and so I was just job searching in Chicago at the time. And I found a company called Gardeners. That's a nonprofit that does K through 12 school gardening with kids in their, in the schools. And so like they're on the South and the West side, predominantly black, very low income. Um, and they're working 
with kids, just teaching them how to seed, how to plant, how to harvest, how to cook with these, about environmentalism, about nutrition. Um, and I just jumped into it out of nowhere, kind of on a whim. Um, and I've been in I've been in agriculture now since 2018, and I've just been hooked ever since. Um, but I, my origin story into like farming was lost a job, had no idea what I wanted to do, found this job where I was like, I can teach and work in a garden, why not? Um, and I've been hooked ever since. I'm like, I can't get out of it now. I just want to keep going deeper and deeper in agriculture. Absolutely. That's that's dope. Like, for real, we're not going to skip over that. Uh, <laughs> you hate groups. Like, talk, talk to me about that. Because I got to. Oh, man. Because I, I, I see the the social justice aspect of everything <laughs> you do. So I was like, oh, this dude, you know, he can he can snap, bite back a little bit, too. So definitely, like, tell me a little definitely. bit. Go, go deeper into that. Um, so, so my most of my background in organizing had been more like community organizing work. Um, so I've been initially when I graduated school, actually, I was working in an interfaith uh, organization that was working with churches, synagogues, and mosques to organize their con- like their congregations around issues of justice in the community. And I didn't like the job. I liked the work, but not the actual job. And so I left it and kind of just started doing my own community organizing, did some label organizing for a while, did some union organizing where I was something called salting, essentially where I was working undercover as a hotel employee to unionize the workers. It's a long story, but did a, did a lot of like union organizing and labor organizing and enjoyed it, but was burnt out. Like the hours were just long. The pay was very low. Um, you don't see a lot of progress sometimes, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to take things with a grain of salt and be like, Hey, it's not gonna happen immediately. Um, and then finally got into the policy research side of it where I was less like, hands-on working with people 40 hours a week but I was just tracking people doing reports uh putting in FOIA requests to police departments so it is all very like high level uh high level policy research work and yeah man it just felt like a natural progression for me in terms of community organizing like I just wanted to switch out of something that was so like people intensive but still stay in that work and so policy research was that way um Unfortunately, the, com- the, the company collapsed. Um, we were doing some really impactful work um, and exposing actually a lot of police departments and uh, white supremacist groups, but um, they collapsed and the money is gone. And now you can't even like find them online anymore. I don't know what happened, but they're like vanished. So I have a t-shirt and that's like the last remnant <laughs> of that company that I know. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's how kind of how I came into uh, organizing. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, I I think that's interesting because, like I said, I I see that in your content. I'm curious, going back to you know you finding this new job and new career path. You you uh, did like kind of an apprenticeship before, right? To like uh, but- or like what? How did you get into? Because a lot of people think it's easy to you know farm. You don't just go into <laughs> it. Right? You got to have some sort of. Right? Oh, bro. I literally had, that's funny you say that. I literally had no experience. Like growing up, my mom tried to get me in the garden. I was not interested. I didn't want to do it. Like it was not for me. Um, and then, yeah, no, I didn't do it. I had no experience prior to doing this apprentice, this, this job with gardeners. Um, the job was through AmeriCorps. So like, if you're familiar with AmeriCorps, it's a way to kind of. I'm a AmeriCorps guy. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to speak too much on AmeriCorps. <laughs> Because that's a whole different conversation. Oh, you don't yeah. see me go off. We'll talk about but, that after the camera. <laughs> exactly. But what I like about AmeriCorps is it gave me the opportunity to do work that I wasn't qualified for otherwise, where it was like teaching and also working in a garden with students. Like they really like taught me a lot about gardening. But no, I had I had zero experience before that. Like none. Like didn't couldn't tell you how to plant seeds really, couldn't grow my own food, wasn't interested in veggies like that, like zero experience, truly. Um, so I'm truly like 
did not study agriculture, didn't grow up with it, didn't do an apprenticeship before it. Like I just jumped in um, and like just couldn't stop learning. Like it's kind of just like voraciously kept going after it. Yeah. So what were some of those like first mistakes you were making in the beginning that now you're like, oh my God, I can't believe <laughs> Oh man, I remember there was quite a few mistakes. I remember like trying to plant seeds into dry soil mm-hmm. and then just leaving them and then being like, it'll be fine. I'll come back and water in a few days. Just like stuff that now I would laugh at myself for. Um, so yeah, planting into dry soil, um, trying to grow crops during seasons that just like weren't, didn't make sense. Like tr- I remember trying to grow like, what was it? I was trying to grow some type of green in like the middle of summer. And I just didn't understand like why it was bolting or why it wasn't germinating. Um, so just like mistakes in terms of like, you can't grow things whenever you want. You can't, you know, you can't just see things improperly and be like, whatever happens, happens. To a certain degree, you can, but like, that that's not the way to do it intentionally, I would say. But uh, yeah, I made, man, I made a lot of mistakes. I killed a lot of plants, uh, killed a lot of seedlings, overwatered, underwatered, transplanted poorly. Like every mistake you can name, I've made it like 10 times over and I'm still going to make it sometimes. That's just the way agriculture and farming and gardening is, honestly. Look, that's good to know. I I, I, make it all time. Look, I, I literally moved into a spot. I had this whole garden plan this year, and I thought it had more light than it did. It only had like it barely has three hours of sunlight, so I'm gonna have to pivot. Oh, damn, to be crazy. I, I mean, I've been doing it for four years, and I still make mistakes. So that is so true. Man, all the time. I was just talking to my friend the other day. Like I today, I have all these plants around me. I haven't even like labeled half my seedlings. Like every year I'm like label my seedlings. And then I don't. And then I'm like, what am I growing here? Like I already forgot what it was. Like I can identify some seedlings, but it's honestly, I have so many that it's a guessing game sometimes. So yeah. But you know what I like about that? I like that because you didn't go to a traditional route. I feel that leaves room for innovation and it's something different. Like something I see you doing a lot uh, in your content is the like Korean natural farming. Yes, sir. Uh, you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that because you were the first one who kind of introduced me to that and, and talking mm. a lot about um, IMOs and yeah, get into yes, that. Sir. Yeah, so I got into KNF, I would say probably two years into my farming journey. Um, I was like slowly starting to get into cannabis. I had just I just uh, left my vermicompost job. So I was getting like some experience slowly in the biological world. And then I was just looking up ways to do organic farming on a, like another level. So I got into compost teas and then people were like, all right, wait till we take this to the next level. Like you, you want to talk about biologicals, compost tea is good, but IMO is like next level. And so I literally just started reading Master Cho's. He has a, he has a book called like, honestly, it's like global natural farming. You can find it online for free. Okay. He puts it all out for free. He's the man. Um, but I started reading it and started reading about how to how to capture IMO, which is indigenous microorganisms, uh, which are just like native soil microbiology that exist with plant roots and work to mine nutrients, decompose organic matter, uh, you know, make nutrients and water more accessible to the plant roots. So I started like reading this voraciously and was just hooked. And so at the time I was in Chicago and there wasn't much old, old growth forest in Chicago. It's a concrete jungle. Um, but I started going into forest preserves and just like searching around tree bases for like IMO and found it. Um, and once I just saw like how I could use IMO back on my garden and like how my plants would pop up immediately after, or like how the soil would just be like teeming with life. I was like, immediately like, yeah, this is the truth right here. This is the absolute truth. Um, but the thing I like about KNF is that Master Cho invented it for peasant farmers. So it's meant to be a low cost, um, 
environmentally friendly method of farming that also makes like the farmers the king of their own castles. So like you don't have to go out and buy these expensive inputs. You don't have to go out and buy this like expensive plow or tractor. And this stuff actually works at scale too, which is what I like. It's not just like some cute gardening stuff. It does work for your garden. It does work for your house plants, but this can actually like work at scale on farms um, that are actually doing production farming. So that got me hooked. Um, and yeah, that's where I've been at. The uh, with the, the bamboo, that was yeah. <laughs> oh man, how's that journey? That's your first year doing it, or you've done it before? This is my second time doing it, man. I, I'm not gonna lie to you about that. That, that, tra- and I told people on Instagram this because I always try and like be transparent with all my experiments because everything, honestly, I like KNF because it's a big experiment. Yeah. Um, and man, we failed all those traps, we set 12 traps, we were 0 for 12. 0 for 12 like so I mean we went big and we failed big and that's the way it is with with KNF honestly until you dial in your methods really and understand like what the IMO like what what whether they like you know where to find them like it's it's a learning curve and I think our traps weren't set properly I think we didn't cook the rice the right way I think we didn't set the I don't think we exposed the rice to enough organic matter so it's a number of mistakes we made but um I know when we come back with our next round it's gonna like we're gonna get some fire so it's just it's just a method of like it's just a, a matter of trying and trying again I love that because you seem so excited you just said you failed <laughs> smiling <at> you. <laughs> that's, that's what the thing about it though like I think some people get discouraged uh when they're they're gardening or they're farming and they make mistakes but honestly it's literally the only way you learn and so it's like it's really so the cool. only way yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. It is your apprenticeship. That is your training, basically, right? Uh, and that's what I tell people too is like honestly just try and like get as much as you can in the ground and learn and practice and fail and then fail again and learn from it. But like I used to be someone that was like very hurt by failing a lot. And then I was just like with, with agriculture and farming, like you're gonna be humbled over and over, especially oh. with production farming. So I've learned to just like let things roll off my shoulder, move like water and just be like, All right, on to the next thing. So that's yeah. the way it is. I also noticed that you're getting very much into the guerrilla gardening tactics this year. You probably were already doing that, but you're showing it more. What are yeah. some things that have uh, panned out for you in, in that respect? Um, so this was just a spot. So there's a coffee shop that I work at all the time because I work remote now. And one day I was just like driving there and parked on a side street. And I saw this like empty lot with like 12 raised beds. And so I was like, these are nice raised beds. There's soil in them. All the weeds are happy. Like, and it's a wide open gate. I was like, why is nobody in here? Um, And so, yeah, I've just been inviting friends in saying like, Hey, come out, like, you know, let's plant some stuff. So we've been doing trash pickup there. Uh, We seeded some wildflowers. Uh, We did a soil test about a week ago, which we're we're waiting to get results on. Um, And people show me a lot of love. I've had multiple farmers reach out to like give strawberries, to give blueberries, to give a few fruit trees. We're trying to get the community to give some paint for free so we can paint the beds up with some kids and just like put the beds back together a little bit and make them nice. Um, but I'm, my hope is just to turn it into a community space, honestly, just make it like it's a nice green space. It's beautiful. There's good soil there. So it's like, why not? Why not turn this into a place where people can like just enjoy themselves? And every time people walk by and see me there, they're like, hey, what is this? What's going on? Like, and I've had people ask to be able to come be involved. And so that's that's the hope for this is just like you know, green spaces around the city. Um, and when I was in Chicago, the first thing I learned was how greening vacant spaces in the city actually reduces crime and makes people feel more comfortable in their neighborhoods. And so guerrilla gardening is actually like, oh yeah, it's cute. Like we're throwing wildflowers and veggies down, but legitimately like greening your vacant spaces helps people feel more safe and reduces violent crime and like brings this level of like community. And I think that's, I think that's huge. Um, so yeah, this is just my approach to making that happen on a larger scale, I guess. 
yeah, I was like, this is the second coming of Ron Finley right here. This is going everywhere. <laughs> oh, man, I love Ron Finley. That's an honor. Nah, he's, he's one of my inspirations for sure. Uh, so, someone was asking me about soil tests specifically. Is there like a cheap and more effective way to do a soil test? Do you have any tips for that? What, how, how are you doing it? And what are yeah. some suggestions you have? Um, so if we're just doing like a basic soil test, you, they're very cheap. You can get them at, so like if you go to your local, it's called a county extension office, um, and they're usually linked up with local universities, but essentially they'll do a test for anywhere between like five and $15. So it's super cheap, really easy to do. Um, I've walked through on my TikTok and my Instagram. It's really just like taking multiple shovelfuls of different spots around your garden, mixing them, putting them into like a small bag and sending that off. So it's really straightforward. They give you all the instructions. It's very low cost. Um, and that's going to be, it's going to be a very basic soil test, but it'll tell you like what nutrients you have, um, your organic matter percentage. So if you have any, you know, bacterial or fungal life in there, and then it'll also tell you if there's any heavy metals, which is the main key for us in the city is there's just so many toxic heavy metals in the soil, especially in ground soil, um, whether that be from like construction and there being lead in there still or pollution. Um, and so that's why we need to get that test back to know like, can we grow wildflowers in here? Or can we, you know, can we actually grow fruit food in here? Um, but yeah, that's honestly soil testing in the city is key in my opinion. Yeah, I'm in DC, you don't have to tell me that. It's <laughs> You already know. I already know, man. But uh, it's, it's, it's fun, it's fun for sure. So speaking of soil, I wanted to talk a little bit about, I, I wanted to play a little game here because I, I want to like, yeah. I want to I like nerd out a little bit about this. <laughs> so I want to know like, what are you, because you seem to have some success after your years of experience. I want to give you a couple plants or, you know, type of gardening styles. And then I'm hoping that you could give me some like mixes or, or how would you put a mm. or a specific plant? You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. Let's go for it. All right, cool. So let's talk about, uh, let me see. Uh, let's start with uh, succulent. Maybe it's like a simple, like some succulent or something like, what, what would you put in that mix? Hmm. And why? Okay. Yeah. So caveat, caveat real quick, yeah. my houseplant experience until February this year was nothing. I could not grow a single houseplant besides <laughs> cannabis, like awful at it. And now my new job involves like formulating houseplant soil, funny enough. But so, you know, like I'm very new to it. So no, this, this succulent answer might be scary, but my, my main thought with a cacti mix is just to have it be more well draining. Um, so I would look at I mean, it depends if you're cool with peat moss, you know, that's a whole question these days, but if you want to go with peat moss, it could be something as simple as like peat moss, uh, sand, perlite, and something like compost. Like, honestly, I would keep it pretty simple, um, but the main things I would make sure to keep in there are the perlite and the sand, and those are going to help with drainage. They're going to help um, just make sure that it doesn't get too, like, clogged up with water, um, which is very important with cacti because they're just going to be unhappy if they have wet feet. Um, but yeah, up the drainage and up the sand heavy on the cactus on the cacti. Okay. Okay. What about mm -hmm. something like uh, collards? Let's go to food now. Collards, collards. Man, honestly, with greens, I try and be like with food, honestly, I grow a lot of I do a lot of the same stuff. I like to be very simple with my mixes. Um, oftentimes I'll even buy like some type of organic store-bought mix that's like something simple as like compost and a few amendments and then I'll mix it with my vermicompost and plant into that so like mm -hmm. very often with raised bed stuff outdoors if I'm buying soil I'll just buy some quality organic potting soil which there's a couple good brands I'm not too picky but as long as it's decent 
anything I mix with vermicompost usually is going to be some gas. And so yeah. my go-to is just like take a quality organic mix, put, uh, you know, put vermicompost into it and then just go crazy with the IMO. Um, and the IMO is going to make it super happy, honestly. See, you got the, you got the, the supercharged vermicompost <laughs> and stuff like that. So you're like, it don't even matter. I'm saying, but that's honestly like, so like no jokes, like the vermicompost and the IMO do so much of the work. Like once you learn to like really like dive into those and let them like, just control your soil like it's it seems a lot more hands-off in many ways for me at least okay okay uh let me see what about something more like acidic like uh roses or something like that roses okay <sighs> roses i would probably say another type of like organic potting mix i know people add different they like to add different things to bring down the ph mm-hmm. um i don't like to mess with ph too much yeah. just because I feel like also I know I know microbes and worms have the ability to actually balance pH. So a lot of times, like you can add a lot of amendments in to lower the pH, and then the worms and the microbes are like, "Now we balanced it. Like we're good." <laughs> um, and your plants will be happy in it as long as as long as the soil life is happy. Sure. Um, what what do I add in to lower the pH? I'm gonna say I don't know what that one. I'm not gonna lie. I actually have minimal experience growing rose bushes i'm not gonna lie to you at i just all. started last year i, I literally <laughs> went to uh what all and they had the little yes uh, joints and just played around yes. I'm, I'm the container guy so i figure out how to grow stuff in like sub water and containers and all that stuff so i love that i love yeah, it that's what i did okay i got a, a random one to throw mm-hmm. uh what about mushrooms not necessarily soil right but mm. what are just some of your favorite mushroom growing methods Let's see. So I've done a few different methods. Um, the first mushrooms I ever grow were actually psilocybin, funny enough. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that one right now. Out. You said what? What is that for people who don't know? Because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you uh, mean. Oh, oh, psilocybin is uh, psychedelic mushrooms. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I grew some psilocybin initially. That was the first mushrooms, I, which are some of the hardest ones, actually, funny enough. They just require like a very sterile environment okay. consistently. And so you have to just be on top of your, on top of your grow. Um, but I've enjoyed growing wine caps. They're very simple. Um, wine caps are easy because they can just be, and they can, you essentially can inoculate mulch with them. So mm-hmm. my farm at Rodale, um, we actually had a bunch of, or not, not at Rodale, at Serenby, uh, we had a bunch of blackberry bushes and then below them was a bunch of mulch and under the mulch, we just inoculated it with the wine cap. Um, and so every, in the spring, it would just be like flushes and flushes of wine caps and they would be huge. They'd be plentiful. It'd be lots of them. It's probably the most hands-off mushroom I've ever grown in my life. Um, it was literally just like putting mulch down and letting it come up. So that one's up there for me. I've grown oysters as well. Um, I've grown shiitakes on logs and also in indoor cultivation, like just on a grain tech. Yeah. Um, I've been meaning to grow lion's mane. That's been on like my list for a hot minute now, but I've not tried it yet. Um, but yeah, those are my main ones that I've is one cap, shiitakes, and oysters. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I also got the, uh, the bag for potting mix that you sent me. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this. So this, yeah. uh, I don't know, it's, it's a little hard to see. You told me this is a different company now that you work for. You want to talk a little bit about the soil? I actually want to open yeah, it up. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, so, this, so I came on this company in February, and it was called Willow, it was called Plant Willow initially. Um, and I was the number two employee as the lead soil researcher. So there's the CEO, um, and then he, but he doesn't really have, he's more like the businessman side. He doesn't have any like the actual like soil ag side. And so he was looking 
for like a PhD level soil scientist. Um, and he ended up reaching out to me on, found me on TikTok and Instagram and was like, Hey, I like the way you're sharing your content. You're obviously very committed to this. You like to experiment. You like to learn. Um, and we went through six rounds of interviews <laughs> and then I finally got the job like a month later. Um, and yeah, man, it's been awesome. So we're, we're currently rebranding from Willow to Rosie. That's just a whole like startup thing. Um, but the current mix that I came on board with, but this, so this wasn't formulated by me. Um, and my actual role is to formulate a better mix, a 2.0 mix that's even better. But our current mix has uh, two parts compost, one parts biochar, and then like a half teaspoon of mycorrhizal fungi over the top. And the idea with this mix is that one, we want to be earth friendly. And so with this earth friendly idea is we don't want to be, um, we don't want to be, we don't want to be uh, causing unnecessary amounts of CO2 to go into the atmosphere. And people are unfamiliar with peat moss. I think a lot of houseplants owners don't realize like how much, how resource intensive it is to use, uh, to use peat moss. So peat bogs store 10 times as much carbon dioxide per hectare than any forest. So like they're the most, like they store a, a shit ton of carbon. And every time we're mining that, I want to say yearly it, it, causes double the emissions of the airline industry so like a shit ton of emissions and this is what the majority of all our houseplants come in um and it's good because you know peat moss is good because it's you know it's it's airy it's kind of loose it just provides good texture for the roots but like considering how bad it is for the earth it seems like nah, we can find a better option than this and so there's been a lot of research lately into biochar and how actually biochar can replace peat as a base um and so, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're running as we're running with compost and biochar as our base. And the idea is that we're just trying to create nutrient-rich biological soil that has a stronghold for for microbes. Yeah. Um, and that's literally what biochar is. Biochar is like the surface area of it is incredible for microbes and it stores a ton of microbes. Um, compost obviously is inoculated with a bunch of microbes, and the mycorrhizal on top of that is just going to help the root action go crazy. Um, but when you see it, like you can see it right now, it looks it looks thick. It doesn't look as airy and loose. People will look at it and be like, this doesn't seem like, you know, yeah, it seems a little like, like when you wet it, it seems a little heavy and people are like, it doesn't drain well, or, you know, it's, you know, it's holding on to too much moisture. And I think what people need to know is as we switch out from peat moss into biochar, it's going to look different. We're all, we're all used to peat moss. So we're all used to soil acting a certain way. And this soil is excellent, but it's going to act different than how we know. So that means that like, we have to change up our watering methods a little bit in our approach. Um, and that's just a part, that's just an education piece. It's just teaching folks how to properly water, how to go around using biochar. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of been the way that we've been approaching this. Yeah, for sure. Something I like about it, it actually feels pretty like light to me right now. Like, sure. It's really like great for those microbes and it just feels great. That dark color, obviously, the meat. Yes, sir. Close in it. So yep. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to use this. And can I use the, I know you said this is more for indoor plants or can you use this outdoors as well? Like what do you suggest is the best kind of like garden to apply this to? Definitely. So this first mix is definitely houseplant only. Okay. Um, I literally just, I literally just went through the whole like soil testing process. So we were doing like a guaranteed analysis to get an idea of our nutrient load. And it's very light. Like, I mean, just compost and biochar has, you know, it has some nitrogen. It has some trace minerals, which are very good for the plant, but it's not like, it's not loaded with nutrients. So if you're growing like a fruiting plant, like a tomato, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's going to grow well until like, you know, three or four weeks and then it's going to be like, feed me, whereas the houseplant's going to be fine in this for quite some time. Um, and so, yeah, this first mix, houseplants only, keep it with that. But they brought me on in hopes that 
round two, we're putting out a cacti mix. Then we're putting out a tropical mix. Then we're putting out a raised bed mix. So like my goal is to move into the point where we're doing raised bed outdoor mixes. That's where I want to be. I want to be back outdoors, you know, formulating the soil. But at the moment, it's houseplants, which is fine and which is cool. And it's a huge learning process for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so eventually we're getting there, but it's houseplants at the moment. Houseplants. That's so important because when you go to the store, like a lot of these mixes just have so much filler in it. Like so much. Half the, the thing be like wood chips. I'm like, what, what <laughs> exactly. am I supposed to do with this? You know? I don't want that. I don't want this. So uh -huh. like, I'm so glad you're in that work. I think they, they picked the right guy for, for the job for sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and the hope with passing this out to people like yourself is just my hope is to learn from people that are plant people and just get actual feedback. And like yeah. we're hoping to actually like take into consideration, you know, what customers say about our soil. So like if you think it needs more aeration, you think it needs more nutrients. Cool. Like, let's do that. We want that. You know, we want to be creating the most biologically active or friendly product possible. That's making our customers happy as well. And so that's rosy soil at the moment. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you right now, because I know you were like, I think at one point you were kind of like transitioning a little bit, like totally. you, you were working on a farm and now you're kind of like transitioning. So where are you now? Like what area are you kind of in? Like what's, what's the update with your life in general? Uh, okay. Yeah. So last, so last year, let's see, 2021, I spent the first six months finishing up an apprenticeship with Rodale. So I was at the Rodale Southeast Organic Center. Uh, for people who don't know, is a is a large research farm in Georgia. Uh, the Rodale Institute is a, the oldest organic farming institution in the U.S., so just lots of history. They've put out a lot of, like, books and just info and research around organic farming, so they're just very committed to it. Um, they're also very white, I'm going to say that, um, but they're really down for the research shit. Um, so I spent the first six months there, and then after I finished that up, I actually got a, a job offer from a urban farmer in the city here, um, to work as her farm manager and I did that for from June through December um, unfortunately that job ended up not being a good fit yeah. um, it just there's a lot to production farm management that's really tough like very tough um, and yeah it just ended up not being a good fit for me unfortunately and so I left in December and was kind of like floating for a while and was just like what do I want to do do I want to stay in? like I thought about leaving ag for a minute if I'm being honest like it just yeah. really burnt me out and made me want to leave and yeah it just wasn't enough money not enough time like working six days a week working seven days a week um not getting those paychecks I was just like the work-life balance is not here and I love farming but like I can't do it like this um and then in February Rosie found me and honestly I did not expect it to like I was expecting to do like extension work I was looking at North Carolina extension office I was going to be an extension agent I was going to do some of that work and then Rosie found me um, which has been great because it's a remote job. I'm able to do like soil formulation experimentation. I'm able to work with like content creators such as yourself to just like work on formulating the soil and get feedback and reviews and just thoughts on how we can improve it. Um, so this feels like much more in my wheel well. And also I'm actually given opportunities here to like step into my strengths, which feels good because my last job, I was unfortunately not given those, those that room to like grow and expand and just like test things out. And that's the way, I, like I need to experiment. Like, I feel like that's like some George Washington Carver shit in me. It's like, I need to experiment always. And, I, and that's why like when I fail, I'm like, cool. On to the next, like, I'm gonna do it again. I don't care. Um, and that's why I love this job because it gives me room to do all that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, I, I think that's important to be honest about this farming thing because it's not always what it's cracked up to be. Like there's a lot of... <sighs> Going, right and there's i think it's important too because a lot of people want to grow food but it's like 
that's not the only career path, right? You're, you, yep. yeah, you're in so many different pockets, you're in so many different industries, but you're still in the field of growing, right? And exactly. so I wanted you to talk a little bit even more about that, about the realities of farming. Like, what are some of the underlining costs? You said a little <laughs> bit about like work-life balance, but I actually want to like get into the, the gritty details. Like, what does it take oh. to be a farmer? Man, it's, man, let me say this. I love organic farming. I want everyone possible to get into farming and growing their own food. But if you look at the stats, small organic farms are, I think it's over 50% of them are not profitable. They're actually like operating at a loss. Um, I think over 55% of organic farmers also work a second job because, you know, the farm isn't enough. So like the stats of being realistic are very, very, like the margins are very tight for organic farming, and especially small scale. And when you go small scale, you're probably not using a tractor. So you're doing more labor hours. So like moving a ton of compost is going to take significantly longer with wheelbarrows and two people than it is with like a skid steer or a tractor. So like there's, there's ways that like your time is just going to be eaten up. Um, the work-life balance wasn't there. Like, I mean, we worked Monday through Friday on the field and then Saturday we would do farmer's markets. And then Sundays we'd have volunteer days sometimes. So I would, I would work seven days a week, like through the summer sometimes. So like in Georgia, 985 degrees outside, humid as hell, working six, seven days a week. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I made 15 bucks an hour and that's, that's pretty, that's, pretty standard for a farm manager like if i'm being honest that's pretty standard wow yeah that's pretty unfortunately um that's pretty standard and i didn't get any health insurance with that so i was paying out of pocket by myself so like and that's the norm like a lot of farms do not offer health insurance they don't offer any type of housing they don't offer any type of like they don't offer any type of education so you're just getting underpaid and not getting really any benefits for it unfortunately which part of me gets it because like I said, again, the margins after like going to the farmer's market and seeing how much we sold, I was like, this is barely even paying my salary, much less like my coworkers. Um, so yeah, hours are tough. Work-life balance is tough. Um, if you're not in the South, like when I was in Chicago, we would work, we would work uh, seasonally. So we would work March through no, like November, October. And then we would all work like retail jobs for the next four months, which like, honestly, retail is fine. Like no, I'm not shitting on retail, but I don't want to do a job where I'm working eight months at one job and then four months elsewhere and kind of just like flip-flopping back because a lot of times if you're a farm worker there, you're not moving your way up. You're kind of just continually doing seasonal work, continually doing like temporary work, and you're kind of just stuck there. And farm owners know that too, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, man, it's it's really tough. Like it's definitely a labor of love and I want to see more people in it, but I want to also make sure people aren't burning out because I, I burnt myself out realistic. Like I honestly burnt myself out. Um, and thought I could keep going and I, I couldn't and I'm glad it ended when it did because I would not have made it another year or even six months there um, yeah man it's taxing it's very taxing I'm not even a lot of people <laughs> I guess it's where the, the, the cannabis comes in to... <laughs> <laughs> indeed indeed yes Let's talk about that bro how, how do you like uh yeah like how did you get into into that side of things i saw the uh, on your like instagram the cannabis cup and stuff like that talk a little about yes, that sir. so okay so in 2018 i started working for gardeners which is the nonprofit. i spent nine months there that was the like the length of the americorps term then after that i spent a year working for a verma compost company um where we were essentially like taking residential compost and also commercial compost from restaurants dumping it onto vacant lots, covering that with worms and then burlap sacks on top. And we were just like regenerating these lots and turning them into like quality, healthy soil. And they were just empty vacant lots before. And then what we would do is we would sell them to local farmers in the area and it would be sold at cost too. So like it would be sold for a good price. So they're 
they're not dropping all this like we're not making a huge buck off of flipping these lots essentially um but i did that for a year we got shut down with the city long story short i won't go into that yet but they shut the city shut us down so we couldn't do it anymore um and then cannabis was legalized in 2020 recreationally and it had been legal medically already and so medically they just started ramping up all the facilities and i had a friend on instagram who who was a dispensary agent and she was like hey i know i've seen you like you know in the in the high tunnel growing tomatoes she's like if you can grow tomatoes you can grow you can grow cannabis and so she was like i want i want you to apply for this job so i did uh big shouts out to liz that's the homie she put me onto this job i love her forever um but yeah she put me onto this job i got hired when I was hired there, there were three of us. So we were like the ground level of this. And at one point we were working with 4,000 plants with three of us. And so wow. I was in charge of um, the vegetative stage. So I would just be trying like all day, I would be, I'd be in the grow, full scrubs on, like hundreds of plants around me on a little stool, just like cutting these plants up, just training them, pruning them, making them pretty, taking off leaves, just everything pot. And I loved it, man. I literally just like eight hours a day, just like in the zone, go, 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 go. Um, and that's how I got into cannabis. Unfortunately, the company I worked for is is called Columbia Care. They're the, one of the largest cannabis corporations in the U.S. Um, owned by some ex Goldman Sachs white boys, so you can imagine oh they weren't very they weren't very nice. Um, all the corporate people I met were all white white guys. Uh, not a single person of color I ever saw. Not a single. I think I saw like two women, two white women. Um, so just not a great workplace. But essentially how these cannabis places work is they bring on people that they know love it. And then after a year of us setting up the SOPs of us bringing in good genetics of us just getting it all ready, they bring in cheaper labor and undercut the people that already work there. Oh. So they essentially, they pushed my boss out. They pushed him out, offered him like a package deal to quit essentially. And he was like, either get fired or take 5k and leave. And so he's like, I'm going to take 5k and leave. So he took money and left. And then there were two of us left me and my best friend. And we were just like, putting our heads down we're like all right we got to keep growing like this is our passion but like it just man it sucked the life out of us like it was just they were rude to us the hours were long um we saw them selling to patients for 80 dollars for an eighth so just like double street price um for medical cannabis that was grown synthetically so like it just everything about it seemed like a fraud it was just like this isn't this isn't for the patients this isn't for the community this is just for money like straight up for money that's all it is um but in 2020, they had the first High Times Cannabis Cup in Chicago, and we won second place uh, for Best Indica. Velvet Glove number two, shouts out, that's some gas. <laughs> it, it smells like your grandma's closet when you open it up, like that stank. That is the smell of Velvet Glove number two. And when you smoke it, boy, it is so good. I miss that shit so much. I wish I got a cut of it because it's one of my favorite Indicas ever. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, we... The thing is, we grew all these genetic, like we grew multiple different strains of velvet gloves. Like we grew like 10 varieties. And then we picked out number two as growing the best of having the best, um, having the best flower. Like there's a whole like genetics side behind cannabis. That I don't think people know, like it's very deep in plant breeding and seed breeding yeah. in plant production and plant training. It's not just like, I'm a stoner. I love this. Like, no, it's, it's some deep actual like horticultural stuff. Um, and we found a great strain and we grew it out. And then the, the company claimed all the credit for it. So we never, we never, like we actually all quit before we won the cup. I quit a month before we won the cup, but like we grew that, you know, we harvested it, we dried it. And so like, it's our, you know, it's our cup, but 
that's i put it in my bio because i'm like yo i deserve this like we won it like this was us completely y'all did nothing and if i ever go back to chicago i'm going to the dispenser and i'm grabbing that plaque off the wall and i'm taking it home because it's they have they have second place they have a winner's medal on their in the dispensary oh it's, it's mine so that's all you bro that's interesting <laughs> i i i thought it was interesting when you said the, the person that puts you on like if you can grow tomatoes you could do the yes plan like what are some of those similarities and like what does that so, look like because i'm not sure i think they're roughly like i think they're in the same genus i want to say they look very like i could see some plants looking like tomato plants for sure yeah, so they just grow, like, very similarly. Um, they're both kind of picky with their needs. Like, they both kind of just need to be washed intimately um, in terms of, like, pruning the plants up properly so it's getting proper airflow and not getting powdery mildew, all those things. It's really just a matter of, like, I think tomatoes are just that plant. I hate tomatoes. I fucking hate tomatoes, man. I'm not, like, I'm a tomato hater to my core. I always will be. That's not going to change about me. But they require such intense care and labor and focus. And I think cannabis is kind of similar. And so like, if you can hold down a tomato greenhouse, man, you can do whatever, like you can grow whatever at that point. But yeah, I don't know. They're just like similar in terms of, you know, soil needs, in terms of nutrients, in terms of um, IPM management. It's just very similar in many ways. Okay, okay, respect. So one, one thing I, I, I also noted about your content is the, the music, the music be fire. I know you got a fire <laughs> Put some like jams and stuff like you like to listen to when you're on it because you be vibing in your videos <laughs> or whatever you know what oh man uh, that's what funny you asked that, wait what sorry you cut out there for a second i was saying what were some of your your go-to's my go-to's so it depends on my mood i'm very i'm very much into i just love hip-hop um yeah. i'm very much into abstract hip like abstract rap um so like a lot of like that earl sweatshirt world so i like if you in my videos i've played a lot of mike lately who yeah. is a rapper out from new york um i play a lot of like wiki a lot of like who else rap. I heard some navy, yeah exactly like wiki navy blue but it's always like very introspective very like poetic but then you be catching shit and you're like well he said what there and like i love i just love that about mike it's very abstract and weird but the the production also is just like is beautiful i think they use like a lot of like old r&b and old soul songs and it just flows so smoothly so when i'm when i'm on the force foraging i'm just like on a wave just like riding this me this hip-hop it's kind of like low and laid back it's kind of just bouncing me around um but yeah I, I mean i just i love i love hip-hop also i love a lot of trap too so i play a lot of trap music i intentionally try and play hip-hop on my, my videos because i think on tiktok i'm like yeah i'm a black man and i like i don't you know i think my vi my videos could get more views if i played like taylor swift or some shit but i don't want to like i you know my highest watched video is a video of me going to home depot and stealing succulents and i'm and the young thug is playing in the background and i'm like a lot of white people commented on that and was like what is this music like great video but what is this music and i was like listen if you don't like it you can leave but i love young thug and i'm never gonna stop defending him so like and I, that's what I love about, like, you know, TikTok is like, y'all going to hear this music. You're going to get this educational content, but you're going to hear my music, too. And you can't avoid it. So. No, yeah, yeah. You absolutely real with it. I love <laughs> uh, some of my favorite videos that you did. One was with the uh, the snipping. <laughs> I swear I've done that. <laughs> my brother right here. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> it's a classic. And then, uh, uh like black farmers when spring comes killed me <laughs> we still waiting on spring here in dc man i don't know what's yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm sorry to hear that man 
Yeah. <laughs> you say like, yeah, I'm, we're not so, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, we've been we've been in spring here for like a month or so, but uh, we're, we were hoping actually to turn that into like a whole like a whole series. Like, you know, we want to do part one through like a hundred. Yeah. And honestly, it's just a way to like meet other farmers in the area. Like we've told, we put a call out like, yo, if you want to make a video with us or just have fun with us, like holla at us. And it's just a means to have fun, get people to hype, build community, like, you know, just share resources. That's what growers do, you know? Yeah. If I come through, I'm always down to pick up a shovel or whatever. And we, we'll get these for sure. I love that. Yeah. Well, so what, what's next for you? Like, what are your, your, your big ambitions and uh, kind of like projects? Hmm. That's a good question. I think, so my ambitions for this year, like when I quit my, my farm manager job, my ambition was to not be tied down to a farm where I was working 60 hours a week. I was like, I'm not gonna do that ever again. Like, if I'm being honest, unless it's my own farm, I'm done with it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm done. Like, I, I just too much landlocked. Too much landlocked. I couldn't, I never could travel. Uh, my weekends, my, my typical weekend was like 36 hours. And I was like, that's not, <laughs> I can't rest at this time. Um, and it's like, if it's your own business, hell yeah, go for it. But if it's like you working with somebody else and not being paid that much, it's not going to sustain me. Like I, I, the passion's not there. The drive's not there anymore. Um, so my goal after leaving- Life or what? I don't know what's happening here. No, we're really in the exact same life. <laughs> but, well, my goal after leaving that was to have, to be able to do more freelancing, more consulting. And so I've been doing more like uh, vermicompost consulting, um, recently did a setup for somebody, um, just helping them set up like, a, I want to say it was like a five, it was like a two by five bin or something like that. It was made out of wood um, for their backyard. They have a little food forest going on. And so I've just been doing consulting, like helping people set up from a compost bins, helping people with IMO, setting up compost tea brewers, um, just everything in like the natural farming, organic farming world. Um, and people are fucking with it. Like I've got a lot of offers um, and that's where I want to be. Like I want to be I'm the style where like, I want to be on multiple people's farms, like checking in, like, how can I help you? Like, you know, how can I help apply this compost? How can I help plant this stuff? How can I help with these IPM issues? And I don't want to be kind of like rooted in one place. Like I want to be in New Orleans this week working on this farm. And then next month I'm in fucking New York, like up in upstate New York, like work on this hemp farm up here. And this is kind of the, the gateway to do that. And this job is introducing me to people that I would not be able to meet otherwise, like sure. high level soil scientists, um, I actually have somebody on my board that used to work, like used to be a chief soil scientist at um, at Miracle Grow. So like, there's actually like some pretty high up soil scientists doing some like pretty intense stuff that I'm being like that I'm able to talk to now that I wouldn't be able to talk to otherwise, and they're kind of like boosting my stuff forward. Um, and I love that. That's where I want to be at. I want to have more room to like spread this agenda and also like just have free time, be able to enjoy myself and enjoy the plants and just like really dive deep into it. Absolutely, man. I believe in your vision and I know you can definitely do that. So how can we support? Where can people find you and, and connect mm. if they have questions? Sure. Yeah. So you can find me on, I mean, so I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Twitter. It's all the same. Smoke your greens. S-M-O-K-E-Y-R-G-R-E-E-N-S. Um, that, that was a name I came up with like way back when, when I was, when I was, I'm not going to implicate myself, but I was uh, growing tomatoes underground, and that's that's the name I came up with. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. If you want to find the company I work for, uh, just www.rosysoil.com. We're still launching in June, and so you can't find any products yet, but you can sign up for just, you know, updates on the mixes coming out. Um, if you want to actually buy the product right now, you can go to plantwillow.com, and you can buy bags of our soil. Um 
I would tell people to wait until June, honestly. Like that that rollout is going to be awesome. It's going to come in a nice bag. It's going to be much more beautiful than what we have right now. Um, so I would really say like sign up at rosysoil.com. Get your email in. Um, if you're a content creator and you want to test out some soil, feel free to holler at me on socials. I would love to throw some bags at certain people um, and just get some more feedback and reviews. So yeah, it's the best way right now. Is honestly just like I want to interact with more people. I want to have more plant homies, more more grow homies. You know, people that are just like into plants as much as I am absolutely man, absolutely all right well we're gonna wrap this up but i always oh. end, uh the question with this question for my guests uh what does it mean for you to be a part of the african diaspora who what does it mean that's a great question deep one hmm take your time i like that question a lot I remember you asked on another podcast interview and I was like, damn, I was like, that's a really good question. I didn't even think of my answer to it. Um, what does it mean to be part of the African diaspora? Hmm. I think for me, it's just like this, this legacy of, of honestly, just like greatness against all odds, against, you know, by any means necessary. When I think back to people like George Washington Carver and learning about his life and, the conditions he grew up in and leaving his family and growing up with an adopted family and just really having to like fight his way to the top or Fannie Lou Hamer and her story of like starting the uh, the Freedom Farm Cooperative or just being a union or like, you know, being a labor organizer, like that, the fact that like people made it through stuff like that or even like enslaved Africans, like finding ways to braid seeds into their hair and bring them over to like to the US and then plant those seeds here and have them become native, like stuff like that is just like so next level and requires so much forethought and vision and that's just like i come from greatness like whether or not people like and people have been trying to kill this greatness for since this country was founded but like we come from greatness we can't be stopped like my skin's the color of the soil the soil loves me i love the soil um yeah man it just means greatness it means legacy it means it means love it means it means so many things to me but it just puts a smile on my face when i talk about the diaspora honestly hey the diaspora is bright with you in it, my man. I appreciate Thank you being on the podcast. Awesome job. Well, that's it for today, y'all. That's it. That's that's a wrap. So go ahead and go to iTunes. You know, give me boy five stars. Throw a little comment in there. We're trying to get better each and every week. So if you're feeling your boy, go ahead and take care of that. Share this podcast with your fellow foodies and gardeners, and I'll talk to y'all next week. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. And remember, keep moving to the beat of your own drum. Talk to you later, fam. Peace.